Hey, before I get started, I just want to just do a little pitch for next Sunday. We're, we're currently just in a little bit of a time when there's not um, any series happening. We've just finished our series that we're going to be doing, and we're going to be starting a new series in May. So in May, we're going to be kicking off a new series, and we've just got a couple of Sundays where we're just doing a couple of other things. And today is one of those, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, but uh, next week is really exciting. Next week is going to be a special Sunday called The Walk. And The Walk is going to be hearing from three people, they might literally be sitting next to you right now, from Central Vineyard, three people who are going to be sharing uh, three short little sermonettes about their walk with Jesus at the moment. So it's kind of like, we used to do Stories Sunday, it's a little bit like Stories Sunday, but we've revamped it and rethought about it, and what we're trying to do now is we're just trying to bring three punchy little sermons uh, that are going to be from people's real lives, how they are at walking with Jesus right now, what's the growth edge they're on right now. And uh, the three people are prepared, the three people have been picked, they're praying, they're preparing, and they are going to be speaking next Sunday. Uh, I'll leave their anonymity for now. I'll, I'll, I'll leave them to it. But um, it, is, it is good to be uh, thinking about coming together next Sunday to hear three stories, three people's journeys of this community as they follow Jesus. So I want to invite you to that next Sunday. Don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be wonderful. But this Sunday is Epilogue. And uh, I, every now and then we have these moments in church when, so, so like I said before, we, we, we're tracking in a series quite often when it comes to our teachings and when it comes to opening the Bible. But today, today is just a standalone one-off talk. And every now and then there's just these little moments that we have when we're leading communities and being in community where we just need to name some stuff and talk about some stuff together. And today is one of those Sundays. So, I guess where this comes from is that for the last several weeks, there's been this sense that, that, that God's just up to something beautiful with us. And I've been talking to a few of you about it, and we can't really put our finger on it. It's not like we're like, oh yeah, it's this, this, and this. But there's just this beautiful sense that people are saying, just, it just feels alive again. We just feel alive again. And maybe I've just named a little reality that you've been thinking about too, as you've been looking at this community, or been here. But that just seems to be our sense at the moment. There's a, there's a sense of newness here at the moment. A newness that, to be honest, I, I don't think we've tasted for about three years. And there just seems to be some stuff breaking in, and happening in people's lives, and in our community, and in this journey that we're living together. And it's the Lord. And so today I wanted to take that moment just to speak into that a little bit, and I just wanted to hold something up and just be like, hey, it's a little standalone sermon, a little pastoral thought today. I hope it's encouraging, I hope it blesses you. Uh, to do that, I want us to turn to John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, we have the ending of John's gospel, and if you've got your Bible, feel free to open there with me. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, like Alice said, you can grab one from the table. But if you have your Bible, feel free to open to John chapter 21 with me. And we're going to read uh, a, fair big, a fairly big chunk, actually. But we're going to read this together. And we're just going to sit in this for a moment as we begin this morning. 
John chapter 21. It says this at the top of the chapter for my, in my Bible. It says, epilogue. Jesus appears to seven disciples. Epilogue. Jesus appears to seven disciples. And the text goes on. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Some of you are really good Simon Peters in this church. I know that. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, Well, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. And so they did. They couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for the work. He jumped into the water and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and they pulled the loaded net to the shore. For, there were only about a hun- for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them bread and the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Well, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death that he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Follow me. Big read. Let's just pray for a moment. Catch our hearts. And then we're going to talk about a few things. Lord, would you take this story and would you plant it in our hearts now? Would you take this text and make it come alive to us, we pray. Awaken us to see with eyes that are of our hearts, to see deeper and more uh, true realities today. Help us to hear with the ears of our hearts today, Lord. Help us to hear at a, at a level of our souls. 
Help us to hear the nourishing words you have for us today, we pray, Lord. Come and do this by your Spirit. Come and do this by your Spirit. Come and do this by your Spirit, we pray. Amen. So we are currently in the season of Eastertide. Eastertide is the season of the church that sits straight after Easter. And it asks an important question. It's on the calendar for a certain reason. It asks this. So what was that whole Easter thing actually about? And did I notice it? Did I actually awaken to the reality of what that moment of the church calendar has just led me through all those weeks? I've just gone through Lent. I've just gone through Holy Week. I've gone to Resurrection Sunday. And now I just want to check. Did I get it? What do I do with this Christ who has risen? Now, we have in history gone for several weeks and done Easter Tide as a series. Uh, today, I'm not doing that. Today, I just want to do a talk, a moment for Easter Tide. And I've entitled it Epilogue. Epilogue is a piece of writing that states what just happened and why it matters. It's like the closing thoughts. It's like the afterword. And so as we read the Easter story in John's gospel, as we track through it for the chapters leading up to this chapter, we're taken through that story we've just walked through. We're taken through the story of Christ and Easter, Christ and the cross, Christ and the empty tomb. And then we enter the Eastertide texts. We enter Jesus appearing, resurrected, we, we see him, uh, the appearance of the tomb. We see his appearance to the disciples. And then we get to this last chapter, this chapter 21, the ending. And what was the ending? Well, well John, it, it, it's, it's, it's uh, entitled in your Bibles, the epilogue. An epilogue, a final comment, a final comment on what has just been and what it's for. Don't miss the point. So let's just go over it really briefly again. The disciples have gone back to what they know. What are they doing? They've gone fishing. This is their familiar world to them, the world they know well. They've gone back to what they are uh, well skilled in. So out they go for the evening to go fishing. You know, all the questions that I wonder would have been sitting with them in that moment as they're sitting out in the water what was all that stuff with Jesus about? What, I'm still trying to make sense of it. What, what is going on? And then, from the beach at dawn, a voice calls out. A voice of the resurrected Jesus. Invites them. Invites them to come in the new morning, in the new dawn, to a new reality. You know, it's interesting. Leave, leave the disappointment of the evening's fish. It has not delivered. Leave it and come to this new reality, the new voice that is calling out. And they find themselves as these men of this tension of light. They, they, they live in this same world, the same age that they know well, their fishing boat out on the water. And yet... There is this new light that is bursting forth into the world 
found on the beach than the voice of their resurrected king. All around them is familiar and the same. But yet a new vision is beginning to fill their sight. Christ has risen and he's beckoning them again to come and do what he's asked them to do for three years. Follow me. Come and follow me. And they will never be the same again. That is the precipice they are perched on that dawn. That is the precipice they find themselves on at dawn. What will be ahead, I wonder? Dawn is a tension of light, isn't it? You know, mechanically and literally, if we stand in the dawn, we stand in the darkness while the light breaks over the horizon. We stand where the dark is still situated, and yet light is breaking over in the distance. And I think metaphorically and as an analogy, as followers of Christ, we are the people who live in the tension of the dawn. We are in between this moment where light is breaking across the sky, but yet we still find ourselves standing in the place of darkness. What is the breaking of light breaking across the sky? What actually is that? Well, it's, it's the fulfillment of the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus preached and proclaimed all of his ministry. Time is up. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. It's on its way. And Christ started the enactment of that. And it's going to come fully. It is going to break in in its fullness in the future. And who's it for? Well, it's for the poor. It's for the broken. It's for the sick. It's for the hurting. It's for the outcast. It's for the lost. It's for those who have it all together. It's for the highest in society and for the lowest in society. It is for everybody. God is making all things new. A resurrection amongst the graves of death. It's a declaration that there is resurrection life bursting forth into a world where death is getting the greatest headlines. Yes, it may be dark, but we are in a dawn. Light is coming. And for so many of us, we, we live in the reality of the gospel and the gospel conjures up a certain couple of ideas. It's a stated truth. Or it's a doctrinal fact. The gospel is some slick theology. Or it's a black and white decision made when the keyboard is playing at the front of Easter camp. But today, today, in the events after Easter, in Eastertide, I want to propose to you, I want to ask you to consider this. That the gospel is not just a declaration from behind us. The declaration also comes from the future. The gospel is a beacon that comes like light over the horizon. It is a call beyond us. It is a call in front of us. It is a call yet to be seen fully. And its message is this. Behold, I am making everything new. Behold, I'm making all things new. God, I am a God of renewal, says God. All things are being made good again. This is what I am doing. Our situation might still be that we're standing in the dark. We may still be people of suffering. We may still be people of pain. 
We may still be people where things are not quite right. We may have sin, addiction, misdirected loves, bent attitudes. But all is not dark because we are people of the dawn. Light has broken on the horizon. And if we know the source of that light, it makes a huge difference for how we then wait for the day, the day that is to come. The Easter event we have just walked through sits as a signpost to all of us that God is making all things new. There is a resurrection after our death. There is healing from the nail-pierced skin. There is a dawn of newness amongst the dark. I spent Easter, I I didn't do Lent this year, I I didn't engage, some of you did, and some of you did really well, you know, no wine for 40 days or whatever it is, well done you, (laughs) you know who you are, no coffee, no chocolate, all sorts of things, I I didn't engage in Lent this year, it just, it just sort of slipped by and I didn't quite fully get the gear into the, into engage, but this Lent, um, I spent a lot of time journaling and writing and processing and thinking. And one morning, I I wrote a poem. And uh, I've called it an Easter poem. It's entitled, What is All This Unto? And I want to share it with you today, straight out of my journal pages. Here we go. Over the horizon, like a light that is breaking, a beam is tracing, signaling a day is coming. Ahead, yes, it is coming. Shalom. A promise that in all things, in all of creation, you are making all things new. Amongst the broken, cracks in what was once glorious, chipped out chunks that once were filled with rightness, filled with gold, now a scar of story. You are making all things new. Where there is rust, corrosion from time in unhelpful and unideal conditions, marks that show this has always been war and battles, this war you are turning You are making all things new. In disordered loves, a selfish ambition, a suffering-free avoidance, character that needs renovation, in me, all of me, you are making all things new. In fragmented societies, Groups that are like tribes, camped in their polarities, the illusion of belonging is actually tender and fragile. In separation, in division, you are making all things new. Oh, great potter, I am clay and cannot form myself. For peers of renewal, I cannot make or conduct. I trust your hands to do your great future work. What is this all unto? Shalom. All exactly as it should be. 
I'll do everything for this. Every day I will gladly give for another chip to be filled or a crack to be fixed. In me, in us, in the earth, and in my time, the taste of the future, the gold-filled cracks. You are making all things new. I'm not much of a poet, but I do hope that there's something in there that caught your heart today. The theme of the poem is about renewal. It's about the sense that if you were to ask me, what is this all about? Why do we do all of this, Dan? What is this all for? My answer theologically, pastorally, lived as a human being, is that God is in the business of renewing us. That's the taste I think we can taste around here. I think that's the thing that's being tasted by people. But in my poem there, there's this metaphor that I just want to bring you to a little deeper today. It was in the second stanza, and it was just in this final piece here, the taste of the future, the the gold-filled cracks. Uh, Just allow me to explain where that picture comes from. There's this Japanese artisan tradition, and it's called kintsugi. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, so in Japan, um, the idea of if, if you were to break a ceramic or if you were to break a little pot or if you were to break a teacup, uh, th- they wouldn't throw it out. That would be ludicrous to them. Uh, for the last several hundred years, artisans have taken broken pottery and with enamel and with gold, they have repaired it together. And they use gold to actually show where the cracks were and to say there's beauty in this, this, uh, this thing that has been broken. And why is there beauty? There's beauty because it has been used and loved. It is actually a practice of gratitude. It's a practice to say, actually, when something is broken, that's possibly because it was doing its job. And yes, that's the risk of things doing their jobs, is sometimes things get broken. In this tradition... Uh, artisans will actually beautifully repair things so that the, 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 the scar is actually enfolded to be uh, not only useful again, but highlighted and made beautiful. It's restored. The purpose of the pottery or the teacup is, is restored. It's usable again. It can do its job again. It can function again. But yet there's this new thing on display. Look at me. I have been fixed. Kintsugi. Now, now just think about that for a moment. Just, just hold this idea in your mind. Is, is Kintsugi not the Easter event? Is Kintsugi not the broken man, Christ, his body broken Yet, death did not end the story. Instead, power filled his body and resurrected him in glory. Yet, he still bared the scars. The scars were still there. And if I could be so bold, is Kintsugi not unlike the work of the resurrection in our own lives now? Is the Spirit not at work doing this? Bringing gold to the cracks, to the scars, to the pieces that have fallen apart. Coming and healing and mending 
amongst our suffering and our pain. God's renewal work starting in us. Are we not all just forms of this pottery on display to the world? We are not the people of eternal brokenness. We do not stay in the dark. We are the ones who have a God who is repairing us, repairing us lovingly and carefully, and filling us with gold. And so as we begin the the season of Eastertide, as we start that this Sunday, as we sit in Eastertide as a community, the season of the church that is to just ask the question again today, hey, hey, did you get what happened over the last several weeks? Did Did you pay attention or did you miss it? Just allow me to very briefly summarize what I'm trying to say today. I'm trying to say this, that in our darkness, whatever that may be for each of us, I do not believe that we are called to stay there. I believe that a dawn is breaking in front of each of us over the horizon. I believe that the one who promises to make all things new, the one who has the power to do so, the one who will do so fully in the future, wants to begin to do so now. He wants to fill the cracks with gold. That we may be empowered to be people of the resurrection here today. Eugene Peterson in his book, Practice Resurrection, says this, the practice of resurrection is an intentional, deliberate decision to believe and participate in resurrection life. Life out of death. Life that trumps death. Life that is the last word. Jesus' life. Don't don't miss what Peterson's saying here. To believe and participate. May we do more than just believe the Easter event. May we do more than just go, cool, ticked it, let's move on. But may we do more than that. May we participate actively in it today as a reality. Life out of death. The Jesus life tasted amongst us together. May we taste it well. And all week as I've been sitting reflecting on the Easter behind us and the Sunday that has been before us. As I've been praying for today. As I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what are we going to be doing on Sunday as we hold this moment together? I found myself hungering and praying for you as a community, as your pastor, as one of your pastors. I found myself hungering for God's renewal power to come in greater and greater measure in our lives. I found myself hungering for the taste of his kingdom to become more and more in our midst. Tastes given to all. I've heard so many of you saying for several weeks now, it feels like we're alive. It feels like we're alive here again. Well, may the Lord bless that, and may he bring us even in greater measure to life. And I don't know what darkness you find yourself in today. I don't know what that is. I don't know what you describe that as. But I do know this. We have all been invited to the beach at dawn. We've been invited to be nourished and to be fed by the resurrected Christ who has laid out a meal for us. We have been invited to come to the dawn of newness. What was in front of the disciples from that moment? A whole lot of things that they were yet to discover. But they were at the dawn of newness, ready to go. And Jesus' words to them were the same words he's always given every one of us. Follow me. Follow me. 
that's it. It's always been it. That is what we stand here and we try and proclaim every Sunday. Welcome to Central Vineyard, a church where Christ is at the center of all things. And our greatest response is our trust back to him to say, I'm following you. I'm giving this my best crack. Let's go again, Jesus. And in my heart all week, I have found myself holding you as a community, just knowing that for some of you, you need a moment of prayer today for the Lord to spark in you again some newness. We are in the dawn. May his spirit come and do his beautiful work. So that is my epilogue today. I want to invite you to stand there too. And Nick, could you, could you come? And Donald, I think you were going to come too. Could a couple of you come? And I, I feel like the Lord all week has just been saying, I want to bring some newness. Uh, some of you have, have been telling us about this. You've been saying, it, there's something going on. Next week, we're going to be hearing from three people where there's things going on. They're just ordinary people, part of our community. They're going to be sharing really ordinary things that at the same time are spectacular things. It's going to be such a beautiful paradox for such ordinary people to share such extraordinary things. And I think that's what the heart of this morning is as well is let's bring our ordinariness to this moment. Let's bring it to the Lord again and say, Lord, just, just come in new ways to me again. Come and do your good thing, your resurrection thing in us. Bring gold to my cracks. Heal me and restore me. Fill me again that I may walk in your ways all the days of my life. And so I want to invite you. I just, I just sense that there's... A, a, it's like a precipice moment for some of us today. I want to invite you that if, if you want to respond today, there's a big bunch of space up the front and we'd love to pray for you. And in a way, coming forward is a prophetic act of our bodies and embodying the intention of our heart. So if we stay tucked away, that, that's fine. You can, you can do that. You're, you're welcome to do that here. That's okay. But standing and moving forward is also a prophetic sort of symbol to say, I want to do that. With my feet, I'm doing it as I want my heart to do so as well. And so you might like to come forward. Nothing magic happens up here, any difference of staying in your seat. But maybe that act of, that prophetic act of movement might engage something in you that speaks to you and calls you. I wonder if there's a sense this morning that you just need newness in your body. Your body is hurting, your body is sore, you need healing. And if you need healing, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Uh, if you need newness in your flesh, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Uh, I wonder if there's some of you today and you're just finding yourself going, I, 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 am, I, I, I find myself done with this, with church. I'm done with church. I just still don't know what this is for. COVID has thrown me 180 degrees. I don't know what's going on. And maybe if that's you today, I feel like the Lord's saying, come to the beach. Come and rediscover what life in a community is like. Come and rediscover newness by the Spirit amongst you. I sense for some of you it's addiction. I sense for some of you it is a sense of um, misangled loves and misdirected things. And today is a moment of repentance. You might come forward and just find yourself saying, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm here again. So there's a whole heap of things that that could be. But those have been the things in my heart that I've been praying over you all week. 
I've been praying for bodies. I've been praying for hearts. I've been praying for participation. I've been praying for a sense of belonging, that you may discover the Lord's newness in your life. And so I just want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to come. And uh, we've got circle leaders and we've got people who love prayer in this community. And I want to invite you to be active and praying for people as they as they do come. But I want to invite you. This is this is a standalone talk this week. We're not kicking off a series or anything like that. It's just this moment and this moment only. Do you want to come to the dawn of newness? Do you want to come? And if you do, you're invited.